Wellness Warriors! How are you doing? This is Dr. Katrina Nieskern, physical therapist and coach, and I'm coming to you live on this beautiful day here to inspire, uplift, and motivate you, sharing some information, insight on our four pillars of wellness, which is mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm here to help you to inspire you, to educate you, to uplift you, and to grow right alongside you. I hope you get the most from this podcast, and if you do, please share, like, comment, leave a review, and uh, give it to someone else. Hopefully that maybe we can make a difference in their lives as well. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Warriors. I am here today with Shannon Park. She is a dietitian, right? Yeah. So, and in Florida, who has experienced her own journey with wellness and approach to eating and food. And she's a mother, and she's just here to share her story and journey of wellness, as well as um, how it applies to patients and kind of how it speaks to the four pillars of mind, body, spirit, and soul. So thank you for joining us, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Hey, Warriors. So why don't you tell us a little bit first of your story, of your history and journey with wellness and what that means to you. Oh, goodness. It would, we could be here all day. Right? Everybody's right? got <laughs> stories with layers and layers on them. Of course. Um, that's where the book comes yeah, in. That's where it's like this. Yeah. We'll have future episodes where we refer to the book that people. Know. There we go. <laughs> I feel like I could write a book, honestly. Um, but really, I think that the story that a lot of people need to hear is the story that led me to what I do today and how I help women globally today in a virtual private practice setting as a dietitian. Mm. I am a non-diet dietitian. I practice intuitive eating and health at every size. I help women work through disordered eating patterns, body image difficulties, and self-confidence along the way. And I think that most people get into their career field because that career field had an impact on their life in some way. Mm -hmm. We use our life experiences to propel us forward in life. And that is no different for me. I, I went on my first diet when I was 12 years old. Me too. I was <laughs> tall and skinny at 12 years old um, but my mom was overweight mm. and I saw the struggle that she had with constantly meticulously watching what she ate, constantly exercising, even over exercising and just being extremely uncomfortable in her own body, in her skin, in her size, mm. um, regardless of how hard she was working and I saw how heartbreaking that was for her and at 12 years old my body started changing I started going through puberty I started growing you know curves and 
body fat started coming on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, while I realize now as a healthcare professional, that's all normal at that time, I saw a part of myself changing into a woman like my mom was. And I immediately identified that if I didn't change something right then, I would experience the same despair that she felt all the time. Mm. And so I went on this diet and I kind of chuckle about it now because I had no idea what I was doing. But I went on this diet where anytime I felt hungry, I would just chew gum. And I laugh about it now because that's like forced starvation, right? Yeah. (laughs) But that's the root of all dieting that still exists to this day. Mm -hmm. And that's what I push back against when I work with women is forced starvation through dieting trying to manipulate and control the size and the shape of our body and then blaming ourselves when it doesn't work out according to plan and feeling like we're consistently falling short of who we're meant to be when the reality is that society is the one that's failing us. We're not failing ourselves. We could never fail ourselves. So I've taken the life experiences that I've had you know, from 12 years old dieting into my teen years, feeling uncomfortable in my body into yo-yoing with my weight and my eating habits and my exercise all throughout my twenties. And now as a postpartum woman in her thirties, and I've seen the evolution of it all for myself. And I use that as a pillar of strength to help women around the world find that evolution of self for themselves as well. That is the most beautiful and amazing thing and well-spoken and articulate that I've heard that also parallels exactly how I feel about the diet industry and perception and what it does to women's minds and how this false narrative of food and body and weight will define our worth and our happiness and how we are constantly told or felt to be small whether it's by the men in our lives or by images that we see or society whatever it may be that we're told to be small but now we're getting conflicting images and messages to be big at the same time and we wonder why we're so confused and depressed and then every diet and thing and schedule out there is designed around men's hormones and schedules which all the research has been done on and it doesn't even parallel our hormones and fluctuations and then we feel bad because it doesn't work and it's because we're doing something that wasn't designed for us and that probably isn't good and um I I commend you and I'm so grateful that you're in my life and that you're doing that work Um, so as far as the wellness, so definitely nutrition, you spoke on mindset. So mind, body, spirit, soul. So mind, body is like food, exercise, nutrition, spirit is energy, like community of people around you. And then soul is kind of faith. So how would you speak to those four pillars as far as how you apply that to yourself and to your patients? I think that's a really good question. And I also appreciate so much that the work that you do 
is surrounded and supported by these four pillars because Mm -hmm. try as we may, they all intersect individually with each other and as a group. And there is no progress forward unless there's progress on all fronts. Mm -hmm. And I believe that within the work that I do too, because I can tell you you're beautiful until I'm blue in the face. But unless you feel that deep within you, unless you've uprooted the thinking patterns and the self-deprecation habits and the wishy-washy mixed messages that you've gotten from society, from people around you, from yourself along the way, you're never going to be able to embody that feeling of, of being beautiful, right? And the same thing goes with our body size, our body shape, our health, our nutrition. It is it is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the food that goes into our body, which of course is important, right? But it's not just about that. It's about how we feel when we feed ourselves, both mentally, emotionally, physically. Mm-hmm. It's about our own ethical beliefs when it comes to feeding ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it just goes so much deeper than a diet plan or a meal plan. I can't tell you, gosh, I should probably start keeping track of how many requests I get for meal plans. (laughs) And I always kind of chuckle because I, I, I don't give meal plans. I don't subscribe to dieting or diet plans um, because that's, that is me giving you an external locus of control because you internally feel out of control. And so it's like, what's going on under the hood of the car that you're turning away from listening to yourself your own intuition, your body's cues, and instead looking for an external guideline of how to feed yourself, which from birth on is the most simplistic thing, but it gets convoluted and confused with the societal pressure that we're under. Well, and that's what I feel is the biggest problem with eating disorder recovery. So as someone that's been in eating disorder recovery and even through the 12 steps, there's this guided food plan structure like you said because you feel out of control and through recovery I lost all sense of trust with myself because I was meant to believe that what I feel and do around food which trans how you do anything is how you do everything was incorrect so I was taught basically not like blatantly but basically what I feel and think is wrong and I, I can't trust myself and I can't depend on myself. So I need to reach on others to tell me what to do because what I do leads me to be sick or unhealthy. When that's not true, I just lost my way. I got lost. It doesn't mean that I don't have that intuition. It just it got distracted or broke and it's still there. I just need to empower it and believe it. And unfortunately... That's why I struggled for years and years and years following this structured, rigid food plan because I thought that was safety. And then also dealing with fear of like not being able to eat out or like what if you don't have that food plan and it creates all this other anxiety and stress that 
prevents you from having a full and rich life and relationships and experiences and traveling. Like when I was in Ireland, like weighing and measuring my food, not eating any of the food there in Ireland, like cultural things because I had to follow my meal plan. Otherwise I'd lose my abstinence. And I just, I felt I'm grateful for those food plans because it got me quote unquote sober. But at the same time, I felt it, um, it never felt like it was sustainable. And I felt like I wasn't, I felt like I was missing out on life and a huge part of myself. So it's really good. Well, you were missing out on trusting yourself. And what is a life, if you can't trust yourself, how can you ever feel like you can trust anybody else? Yes. Or have someone else trust you too. So then you feel like a fraud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, that's a really, it's a really interesting thing to bring up because similarly dieting teaches us that we can't trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's whenever we rely on an external locus of control. And what I mean by that is a meal plan, a food scale, a calorie counter, an exercise watch, a step counter, a weight scale, a size in your, in your pants. These are all external locus of control. The number of calories burned that day, the number of hours that you were active that day, the number of meals or snacks that you had that day, the, the macros that you consume that day. Like all of these things are external markers that we're trying to hit and they all interfere with the innate trust that we have within ourselves. Mm-hmm. I always take it back to thinking about toddlers. Most of us have been around toddlers. Some of us are parents. I'm a parent of a toddler right now. <laughs> um, and so I get to experience this story all of the time. But if you think about toddlers or really children under the age of five or six, They have an innate ability to let us know when they're hungry. They will also eat what they feel hungry for and nothing else. All jokes aside, they seriously will not eat what they don't want. And they eat until they're full and then they stop. Mm -hmm. There's no more one more bite. There's no coaxing them or coercing them into eating more. And there's no overeating with, with young children either. And that's because they have not been intercepted by life yet Mm -hmm. and so we all have that innate intuitive eater inside of us Mm -hmm. and it's my job to not only reawaken that but to help women and I help men too but primarily women helping women to believe that they can trust that intuitive part of themselves Mm -hmm. because they have been told over and over again, we can't trust our hunger. We can't trust our body. If I eat as much as I feel hungry, I'm going to be a million pounds. All of these, unfortunately false beliefs are pressed upon us. And with each one that we try to adapt, we trust ourselves a little bit less. Yes. That is so beautiful. So how would you speak then as far as, so we did mind, body, spirit. So what sort of energy and communities? I know for me, 
biggest thing I had to do was like unfollow certain people on Instagram, stop reading magazines. Like I unsubscribed to shape and fitness and women's health and all that stuff. And um, finding people and women of all shapes and sizes that believe in the same things that I do that aren't focused on weighing and measuring or following a strict meal plan. Like how do you speak to that as far as like community and energy? I think that what you're talking about is one of my favorite concepts to teach and I call it being TSA for your thoughts, (laughs) right? Like TSA is not going to let everybody through. They're only going to let through what's safe. So in our brain, we have to set up TSA for our thoughts. We have to filter what we, we can't control what comes in. We're getting a jillion billion stimulus every single day. And a lot of them are subconscious stimulus, right? So we can't control what can come in, but we can control what gets to stay and what gets to, to take up space, Mm -hmm. right? And what we're willing to hold space for. So in that way, we've got to be TSA for our thoughts and being a filter, only allowing things that are safe to stay and, In that same line of teaching is when I tell people the only detox I'll ever ask you to do is a social media detox, removing all of the accounts. And it doesn't mean unfollowing or unfriending your sister-in-law who sells Herbalife and touts her workouts all the time, but instead simply unfollowing or muting her, right? Getting that stuff out of your feed, unfollowing accounts on Instagram that promote weight loss promote over-exercising, promote external locus of control when it comes to nutrition. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, it's not just about voiding ourselves of those accounts, but also starting to interact with and follow body-positive, fat-positive accounts, yep. accounts that encourage intuitive eating And getting to know yourself and getting to a place where you can finally begin to even remotely accept yourself. Because we can't just purge the bad. We have to replace the bad with the good. I think that a mentor that you and I have, in fact, recently said that 91% of our thoughts are the same every single day. That means 9% are influencing Right. So if we can change that 9% to be body accepting, non-discriminatory, non-judgmental around food type thoughts, then that can influence the other 91%. And then we really start to see some, some serious change. So it's not just about purging the bad, but replacing the bad with the good. Uh, Exactly. Well, and I was listening to a podcast the other day and he was talking about ants so we have an ant infestation and ant is automatic negative thoughts so those automatic negative thoughts are autopilot and i i thought it was 95 percent, 95 percent of our day but it could be 91 percent of our day is on autopilot and the thing is is that it is changeable but it takes practice and discipline and that's why I don't watch the news. Like, I don't have TV. I'm very careful about what I put in, even watching TV. Like, I want to be sure, like, even subconsciously, even music, it's like everything that we're taking in, auditory, visual, 
is being planted into our subconscious, into our perception, into our belief system of what's right or wrong, and it becomes our thinking of what's right or wrong or gives us value. So I'm very, very guarded because people say like, oh, you are what you eat or like you get out of it what you put into it. But that's, it's not just like food, like everything that we take into ourselves and whether it's um, mental, spiritual, emotional, physical, it becomes a part of who we are. And so just very careful about that. And then catching those automatic negative thoughts, becoming aware and shifting it. Because it does take effort initially, just like it takes effort initially to, with a diet or whatever. Like we are so cautious about our diet, of what's good and bad, but yet we're not thinking about our thoughts. And our thoughts are actually way more important than than the food, right? Absolutely, and I think that another important component to that is. Our brain's number one job is to protect us, Mm -hmm. right? And I would venture to say a good majority of those thoughts that we have repetitively are in an effort to protect us. Mm -hmm. And that is all fine and good, but at some point we have to realize that some of these thoughts may not be as protective as we believe them to be mm-hmm. and instead they may be fallacies that are attempting to protect us from a fear of pain mm-hmm. or discomfort or hurt or and then what it really comes down to is we're fearing the fear yeah we're using these thoughts to evade the fear that mm-hmm. is what the potential could be if we let ourselves really peel back the layers. And so I always ask the people that I work with to lean in, feel the feelings. It may feel like you're going to be overcome with them for the rest of your life, but I promise you it's temporary and feeling those feelings allows the healing that's necessary to take place mm. so that those negative thoughts that you've been having can be absolved and we can move on and replace them with uplifting thoughts that are going to empower you instead of disempowering you. That's so beautiful. And then the last part of what about the soul? I know for, I'm Christian. I know you're Christian too. So how would you speak to that for a higher power as far as that relates to overall wellness and being, having like a spiritual center or higher power? I think that God made no mistakes when he created the human body and the brain I think that humans tend to get it mixed up a little bit with how we use it and what the things that we think are right or wrong. Um, And so I think that that lends itself to intuitive eating because I'm asking you to listen to your body's natural cues for hunger, for satisfaction, for satiety, for fullness. God didn't put those cues there for no reason. He didn't put indulgent, delicious foods on this earth for no reason. (laughs) He put them here for us to be aware of ourselves and aware of what's around us and to be able to experience and enjoy the life that he's gifted us with. 
mm-hmm. in a way that he designed it to be. And so I think that that's the soulful, that's the soulful piece of this mm-hmm. is that God designed us to eat and to enjoy. We've just gotten it mixed up a lot on the way. We've got all obsessed Oh, no. With, Hold on, Shannon. The, oh, too many for that, you it's know. It's cutting it's, in and out a little bit. Sorry. The video was cutting in and out, so. Oh, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just saying, like, I think that God put us on this earth to enjoy the indulgences of this life when mm-hmm. it comes to, to food. You know, I joke and I say, when you get to your funeral... Are people going to say, wow, she never made it over 150 pounds? Mm-hmm. No, no, you know? And so it's like, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves right. and in turn miss out on so many opportunities mm-hmm. to enjoy life with food, right. with our family and our friends and our loved ones and like trips to Ireland, like you said. Yeah. I think, you know, why but- do we get so caught up that we forget to enjoy. I think the hard part for me being a food addict and having struggled with severe bulimia and binging and purging and laxative abuse and having to have surgery on my stomach and also learning the science behind food addiction. And you say, yeah, God put certain things on this earth, but a lot of the sugar, flour, artificial things were man-made they weren't God made. So there are certain things like fruits and vegetables. So I think where I've resonated to and what works for me is yes, I can enjoy some of those things, but knowing the science and the plethora of these addictive man made chemicals that literally produce opioids and neurotransmitters in your body, and for the amount of years and years that I wasted in time of food obsession of going from one thing to another another and literally binging on bags and bags of groceries and spending all day purging that or let, like the amount of abuse and turmoil like I don't want to say like I've lost that privilege and I'm to the point where now if I really want a bite of something like I can try it and I thank God that I've balanced my hormones and removed that association with it. But for people that are in the turmoils of like severe eating disorders, our intuition system is broken and I'm not saying that it can never get back there. Um, but that whole like indulgent food thing that God put on this earth, I do believe that we can enjoy that, but I just, for me, I don't feel like ice cream and like man processed chemicals and food colorings and additives that literally are neuro excited toxic, like I can't even say it, um, that produce those chemicals that create the addiction and obsession. Um, I just have a hard time supporting that as a regular thing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that at the end of the day, what I aim to do is to meet every individual where they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the the comments and the advice and the things that I've presented today in our conversation is purely blanket. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like it's the recipe. Have, That's like what I tell patients. It's the recipe. You got to add a dash of this and a sprinkle of that to make it right for you. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. The principles stand mm-hmm. across the board, but the individual nature of this work is that I have to meet you right where you are because your life experiences, your beliefs, your feelings surrounding food are all very real Mm -hmm. and there there's no escaping those and that's okay Mm -hmm. that's my job to discover those and to meet you where you are so that you can heal from the relationship or the discomfort that you have when it comes to food and body and all of that that's awesome so if there is one book or podcast or both um, that you would recommend to our listeners and it could be related to food or could not, what would you recommend? What is on your top list? I would say one of my favorite books is Women, Food, and God mm. by Janine Roth. It's a really good book. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about the intersection of spirituality, food, binging disordered eating it's so it's so good um I just love her I love all of her content um so yeah women food and god by Janine Roth would be an excellent start as for a podcast that's a good question I'm just now beginning to dabble (laughs) in the podcast scene um wellness warriors right well yeah wellness warriors is a great one go listen take take you a listen it's so good um but no I just love to support the podcast of my friends and you know co-professionals um like you awesome and then um if there was one wellness tip just one that you could give people what would you say I would say trust that you can listen to your body and your body will help you navigate the way forward. Mm, that's beautiful. Where can people find you? Where can they get in contact with you? I'll obviously put stuff in the show notes as well, but how can they get more of you? Yeah, I would love to connect with anybody who listens. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at trainer Shannon. In my past life, I was a trainer. Um, you can find me online at shannonparksrd.com. That's RD as in registered dietitian or facebook.com slash shannonparksrd. That is awesome. Well, Shannon, you have so much wisdom and insight and intellect and inspiration anyone that would be privileged to work with you and I just thank you so much for taking the time today you are such a beautiful person and such a beautiful soul and I just am honored that um you're on our podcast and I know you're gonna change and already have changed so many people's lives and I'm just grateful for you in my life oh big hugs to you my friend thank you for having me on board today likewise All right, Wellness Warriors, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And again, if you got anything from it, please leave a review. Good, bad, ugly, positive, whatever it may be. I want to grow and become a better person for you um, to better help you and grow along this journey of wellness. 
And again, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Wellness Warriors unite and we do it anyway. Love you.